Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Is uh, being a bad boy behind the mic. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We were talking about the fattest things that we have ever experienced. The food experience. I want to be very clear because Fitty caught me on uh, technicality and wanted to be literal about the subject. And so I'm just going to go with something different here. Uh, making a Chick-fil-A pizza sounds pretty fat. I do want to bring that to the text line. Like, what is the most questionable food experience you've ever had where... You but just, I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. Where you just had to go <laughs> the extra mile. There is one where I've done the whole McChicken inside the McDouble thing. I don't want to call it what it's what it's called. I've I've heard it called something, but it's like the Mc, you've put the chicken patty on the McDouble cheeseburger, and then you've just had the three different patties, two burgers, and then the one chicken. I've done that before, huh. and it was pretty good. I mean, it's really fat. I did it when I was in college, but it was pretty good. How hungover were you? I actually was sober. <laughs> if I was if I was hungover and I ate that, Lord knows what would happen to me. I'd probably throw up all over the place. Uh, real quickly, I did want to remind everyone, by the way, that Biff Pogey is going to be joining Kyle Bailey at 5 p.m. today. Charlotte 49er head football coach going to be hopping on with Kyle at 5 o'clock. So he's going to be telling you about what you can expect from the Charlotte 49er team. And by the way, I've had a bunch of my 49er friends that pull for the team. Want to see good things with this squad? I'm getting recruits texted to me left and right. Hey, did you see what Biff did this time? He's getting running backs. He's getting all sorts of different positions that are recruited by high-profile programs. I forget the guy's name. I need to go look it up again. But they just recruited somebody and landed a commit from someone that was also being pursued by Florida, being pursued by some SEC schools. This is what's exciting about that Charlotte program is that they're getting a lot of talent. You expected it with Will Healy. He just kind of gave off the vibes that would be a good recruiter. But Biff Pogey is out here in offseason number one landing big-time talent. Can't wait to hear what he has to say again coming up with Kyle Bailey and Fitty because he still has a lot more radio to go through. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments on the text line. We were having a conversation in the fishbowl, Fiddy, trying to figure out the Carolina Panthers, some topics, some content around them. We got to the ESPN rankings where ESPN, Mike Clay, Seth Walder had Carolina as the 25th best roster when it comes to talent. Not about where they're going to finish in the postseason, if they're going to get there in the division. It was just who has the most talented roster in the NFL. And you had Carolina come in at number 25. It's funny because the feeling is that it's so different from what, where we were last year. Even the first month of last season. But think about where we were. David Tepper was as criticized as anyone. We could barely hear from him. He would speak a lot when he first purchased the team, and then he didn't have a whole lot of success, and David Tepper went quiet. Matt Rule was hired as the head coach. There's a lot of people that liked it. And then after two years, even with the whole adage of you got to give a coach three years to truly see his blueprint come to fruition, 
pun intended, I guess, with the series going on. People were ready to move on from him after two. And even me, who wants to be fair in this profession, trying to give Matt Rule uh, somewhat of a benefit of the doubt, but there was no reason to do that in the first two years that he coached this football team. And eventually he was the first NFL coach fired in the season last year. Guy couldn't make it to the halfway point. And since that happened, Steve Wilkes takes over, and immediately you get a 180-degree flip. Wilkes was somebody that did such a good job, many people thought he should be the head coach permanently. But you move on from Steve Wilkes, and you bring in Frank Reich. And you didn't stop there. You decided to go after every coveted coach on the market. You get Thomas Brown, who worked with one of the more celebrated guys, has a Super Bowl championship, Sean McVay. Worked with him. That's pretty good. You also get Jim Caldwell. Dude got to the playoffs of the Detroit Lions multiple times. Crazy stat there. Ajero Averro was thought of to be a possible head coach. Then Minnesota wanted to go after him. But Carolina, David Tepper, opened up the checkbook like, nah, why don't you come over here? Even if we didn't give you the head coaching job, we'd love for you to be the defensive coordinator. It just feels like a complete coin flip. What we've seen going back to a year ago this time. Mm-hmm where you just kept doing the rotation musical chair quarterback thing rather than invest in a franchise guy, which is what they've done. You have Bryce Young compared to Baker Mayfield, compared to Sam Darnold, compared to Teddy Bridgewater. You have a great coaching staff. You might have rankings show them towards the bottom in some of these groups, but most people feel a lot better about where Carolina is And that's why I think you can discuss this as being one of the faster turnarounds that I can remember. They got to go out and perform on the field, but just in feeling, just in morale, it's got to be one of the biggest turnarounds in recent memory, considering the Charlotte sports landscape. Yeah, no, it it doesn't feel like Matt Rule got fired last October. It it, it, it almost feels like he got fired. We didn't play football for three years, and now we're coming back and we're coming out. We're coming out with, with with a bang or whatever. The thing that I think Panther fans should be excited about is your owner is learning from his mistakes. And that's what that's how you know you have a good organization because there's no such thing as a perfect owner. Every owner is going to make mistakes and I know Dave Tepper went on record saying I don't want to be the next Jerry Jones or something like that. You could argue what he was doing was worse because they they weren't they weren't competitive. Dallas has been competitive with Jerry Jones despite his bad ownership the last half decade or so, but he's learned from it and he's understood like, man, I probably shouldn't have hired a a college coach and given him a seven year contract. And you can't take half measures at the quarterback in this position. You go back to that all or nothing. And he said, the league is an eight and eight league. What makes you better than or worse is the quarterback play. And then we went out there with Teddy Bridgewater and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And we wondered why we were bad. Well, now you've gone all in. You've got a you've got a quality head coach in Frank Wright, a guy that knows how to command a locker room. You've got quality coordinators. You've got quality position coaches. And then you got a guy at quarterback that if he's what we think he's going to be, he's going to be a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber quarterback for the next decade. And if you have that, you have a chance to win at the highest level in the NFL. Especially with that guy being taken care of. You're right about that especially with you going to get the most important position and investing in it. And look, this was always the problem. I was talking about this on a Charlotte Hornets front. I'm really excited to move on from the discourse between who's making the pick, Michael Jordan or Mitch Kupchak. 
we had that same thing happen with Carolina, whether it was Matt Rule or Scott Fitterer or David Tepper. Mm-hmm. You just added more names into the fire there. And it seemed like most people would say the good picks were happening by Scott Fitterer, the bad ones by Matt Rule, and then David Tepper controlling some of the bigger picture moves. Matt Rule's wife played a role in some people getting drafted. Like yeah. Chuba, shouts to you. Okay, <laughs> Thank Mrs. Rule for your presence on this football team. Again, second half of the season really came on strong. I don't think we're going to have that as much anymore. Mm -mm. If you buy in 100% to what Blueprint has been showing you, and you can't, okay, it can still be a great product. I've been doing nothing but singing its praises this entire time. But Blueprint is going to show you what they want while still giving you behind-the-scenes access. With that being said, I do get the sense that Scott Fitter is the guy calling the shots on a lot of these decisions. I at least do now. And this is something I wonder if it's been learned by David Tepper. I wonder if he's allowing Fitterer to be the man that he hired him to be and not meddling as much. He loves the process, man. No doubt about that. I do find it funny a little bit that David Tepper is the one sitting next to Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich's not. I mean, yeah, he's the owner for sure. Okay. He's going to have power in this. I'm not naive, but it's funny too. Dan Morgan is on the other side of Scott and you're only a chair away. It's not crazy. It's just funny that David is like, could not be more immersed in it. All right, mm-hmm. Scott, what are we doing? You know, what do you think we should do? I thought that's funny. But I do think he's letting Scott call the shots. And what Scott Fitter has told you, he said this a little bit with Matt Rule as well. But Scott told you that this is a process where everybody is involved. Ego is not involved to the point where I'm going to override someone outright without hearing their opinion. And I've just always thought Fitter was a little more genuine, certainly more professional than what we got from Matt Rule, at least the way that he would speak to people in the public eye. But I do think that Scott has been more professional and genuine. It's just something I believe in. And there's been a lot of criticism towards David Tepper, right? I do wonder if it's learned. Okay, you learned that you need to invest in a QB and you just can't do the whole let's get a veteran that hasn't worked out with the previous stop. Okay, that's something we can see. We can see you actively did not make that decision again. What about some of the stuff that's not as visible? And that's that comes down to, are you really letting Scott do everything, even with big picture? I know David Tepper really liked Bryce Young. I know Nicole Tepper really liked Bryce Young. But I think Scott did, too, and that's why he's on this football team. I, I'll give him credit. I've been very critical of David Tepper. I think he deserved it. And I think if you want to be this person that is in the public eye when everything is going right at the beginning, people were stoked. He's mm-hmm. drinking beers with people. He's the common man. At the time, the most rich owner in the NFL, but he's a common man. That's cool. You could be cynical about it. Plenty of people did have that standpoint, but that's cool. I I actually enjoy it. I like that you're out here with everyone, but then you go awful quiet when things are going horribly, horribly wrong, and you keep losing, and Matt Rule doesn't look like he's cut out for the job, and this is the dude that you just gave a huge contract to based off of zero NFL success. So I bet that was humbling for him. I will give him all the credit despite all that criticism because he did as much as you possibly could within an off season's worth of time to completely change morale. And for that, I thank him as a Panther fan. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're a hundred percent correct. And I think that's going to be the thing. When you look at, you look at Scott Fitterer's background, you should like from the moment he got the, the, the job, you should have had trust and faith that you hired a good football man. Because of where he came from in Seattle and what they had built there. And, I mean, it's still built there, even if they went up from Russell Wilson, where they've been competitive 
and not maybe not championship caliber. They got the one Super Bowl for the the last decade. When you talked about the Super Bowl, Seattle's name was was being brought up because of what uh, John Schneider, Scott Fitterer, and those guys had built. I think Scott Fitterer now with Matt Rule out of the way, and you're not having to fifty one percent roster control and all that type of stuff. I think yeah. it's more possible to see this roster be built for the short term to be competitive and for the long term to be competitive, which is really something Carolina's never had. Like Marty Herney would have good spots as GMs where he would make the Panthers good for maybe a year or two, but it hurt them when they'd get non-competitive. Then you look at Gettleman. It was, you, you know, he built the 15-1 and one roster, but he never really enhanced it to help them get back to the Super Bowl, let alone win the thing, and then it all went downhill. And stuff like that. I, I I look at him where if Dave Tepper's meddling is done, he has a chance to build the type of organization he told us he wanted to build when he bought the team because Scott Fitterer knows what he's doing because he was trained by one of the best GMs in the NFL. Yeah. John Schneider, by the way, calling him on the most recent episode of Blueprint and asking David Tepper if he was willing to trade that number one overall pick. It was a joke. Which, by the <laughs> way, I saw Dove Kleiman tweet this out. Oh, Dove. I mean, is it Dove? I don't even know what it is. Dove, Dove. This is the aggregation part that makes people like Brian Windhorst angry. It's when the first, with zero context, you have to click on the clip that he puts out there on Twitter. But Kleiman puts out, John Schneider called David Tepper to see if he'd be willing to trade the number one overall pick. And then the next segment is something, or in the next sentence is something about Jonathan Mingo. And it was a complete joke. If you watch the episode, complete joke. It was all in good fun. Schneider and Scott Fitterer having worked together for a while, clearly good friends. Schneider clearly calling Fitterer to wish him good luck. Hey, how are you doing with the number one overall pick? And then that was a joke. Scott leading over to Tepper and saying, hey, would you be willing to trade the number one pick? It was, it was all in good fun. And then you don't have any of that context. Just that That's the problem. When you have people like Jake Fisher create podcasts with the title, please don't aggregate this. When you have Brian Windhorst so scared to give you information because he's afraid you're going to aggregate something, same with Bill Simmons, it's because of stuff like that. Yeah. It's because of stuff like that. And so now you're only hurting what could be informative stuff that we get from these journalists in the know. Last thing I wanted to say real quickly, I do think, speaking of the Blueprint series, I love what they're doing with that. And it's, it's not just because it's cool to see what's going on behind the scenes. It's because the team is actually doing something for the fans. It's because with this, yes, there's clearly some benefit for them. There is some cynical approach you could take. They're trying to show everything that happens to paint the Carolina Panthers in a good light. That's there. I'm not disregarding that. But also the fans want it. And Carolina is giving the fans some really good team content. They're building a good relationship with their fans after it wasn't so good for the last couple of years. There is levels to this. There are levels to PR Mm -hmm. And there are levels to try to build that relationship with the people that pay money to go to Bank of America and then hopefully wear the black and blue instead of selling the tickets to the opposition. And so what they're doing, it's really smart, in my opinion. The reason I bring this up is because you have new ownership taking control of the Charlotte Hornets here soon. And while the Charlotte Hornets have done a great job with different marketing campaigns, we brought up Al Jefferson, Big Al's paint, fantastic pitch. Kimball Walker, when they try to get him the most improved player of the year award, that was a great pitch. You have so many Devontae Grahams, the s'mores, whatever. They were sending Devontae Graham graham crackers and then also like Snickers bars and stuff. That was great. I love the marketing pitches. But also, 
you hope that there's a little bit more of a team friendly environment or a fan friendly environment. And it's not like they do a bad job. I just want some of that released content. I want some of that to come out a little bit more so with the Charlotte Hornets team. And I do wonder just how innovative this new ownership group is going to be. That's a question that I have for Plotkin and Schnall. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does play a role because like you, I'm a sports fan. I eat up, I eat up, you know, whether it's Carolina basketball and they, they sent somebody yesterday about Huber Davis, giving the guys new shoes. Like it, it, it does matter because it's another way that you feel connected to your team, your, 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 your organization, whatever. And, and, I value that. Like I do the job because I have a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm passionate for sports. I have a connection to sports. Whenever you get to see that type of stuff, it makes you feel. I think it makes it easier for you to spend the money on the tickets, on the jerseys, on the beer, on the parking, because you feel like it's going to be reciprocated with them taking care of you in ways that they can off the field. All right. We also need to get to another important topic. What's the fattest thing you've ever done? Bud Lightyear wrote in, you need to try candy corn on pizza. Oh, that is foul, bud. Oh, that is gross. 980 number said pear salad, half pear, mayo, cheese, and a cherry on top. Is this a real thing? I'm going to have to look into it. Mr. Boss 420. Oh, <laughs> if you have 420 in your name, I'm expecting a great text. It was tipsy cookout dare with my brother, and it was epic. I ate the double bacon cheeseburger with Krispy Kreme donuts as the buns. That's probably the number one thing that I would actually try right there. The cookout burger with Krispy Kreme donuts as the buns. That's the thing that I want to get involved with. Keep ha having the text come here on the fattest thing you've ever done. 704-570-9610. We have a couple more segments to go. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ going to the text line again because yeah we're that show that asks you what's your fattest move of all time Matt Greensboro said he once topped ice cream with cocoa pebbles it was so good now see that sounds great that's what LaMelo was eating at the cereal bar in Uptown Charlotte was it really no, I don't know oh I thought you were being like, I thought you were being genuine. Like, yeah, that's, that's his go-to order. He told me. Is it weird if I know his go-to order? 
No. Unless that's public knowledge. I'm not sure what it is. But the cereal bar, we've it's the second time we brought it up. Matt in Greensboro bringing it up once again. It's very good. I had the Reese's Puff milkshake, and that's my favorite thing to roll with. So, yes, it's a fat move, no doubt. But but all the respect in the world to that fat move. Yeah, yeah, no. Here's the problem. Mm-hmm. I, I've already I've already downed um, my Taco Bell. The more that we the more that we talk about this type of stuff, it's only the hungrier I'm going to get. I've got two and a, I got three and a half more hours to go before I can eat again. Are you doing okay with your soda challenge? I haven't had one since I quit. Okay, how it, long have you going now? Like three weeks, something like that. I think this Sunday would mark a month, and I allow myself because at first I went really strong, like only water. I now allow myself a glass of tea per day. Now, some days I don't drink it. And it's sweet tea, right? Because you're not drinking anything other than sweet tea. Yeah, no, because if it's not sweet, it's not tea. Well, okay. Look, Fiddy, if you are holding yourself to one tea a day, then good for you. I do not want to misconstrue this with anything other than good job, good for you, helping yourself out by quitting soda. I will say, sweet tea seems very close to the soda realm. But if I'm just having one, like you got... That's fair. I mean, basically what you're saying is I'm allowing myself one soda a day. Because sweet tea, depending on who makes it, then it's going to be <laughs> it's gonna be very sugary. I mean, I, do you not remember my soda intake per day? Because I, I told you guys, and y'all were so disgusted with me. Because <laughs> I was drinking, before I quit, I was drinking anywhere from six to eight oh, a yeah. day. It's, a, it's so much. No, you're right. It's so much soda. It is a lot of soda. So, you know, I've, I've cut back on that. But you know what's weird? And I don't know if there's any correlation because it's finally gotten hot out. I've had the 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 thirst to go home and drink beer more often since I've quit drinking soda. Mm-hmm. Well, you're just trying to cope with the pain of not having soda in your life. Yeah, Buck Nation's mad at me. Let the kid have a sweet tea. I just want to be sure that we're holding him accountable. I think we are. I'm going to let him have sweet tea. 704 said one sweet tea per day is so funny when trying to quit soda. See, 704 is with it. 980. Hell yeah, Fiddy. Keep it up, big dog. I agree. I want you to keep it up. It's very good. I just, it's, it seems like a soda, but baby steps, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, here's the thing. There's some days I don't have tea. Like, if I don't eat out, because I don't have any tea made at home, like at home, I just have water. Which the problem is, is I eat out just about every day. Do you really? It's, it's, it's pretty much every day you're getting some fast food or whatever. I mean, I mean, unless I have groceries at home, but like, if I'm eating at, at home with my mama, I'm going to, drink sweet tea because we usually eat country cooking or whatever and water just god did not intend for water to go with country cooking <laughs> that's the 11th commandment folks i i do like uh is it the 28th amendment i heard you talking about that yesterday <laughs> <Got him>. I, <laughs> yeah i don't want to revisit that yeah you know how embarrassed were you when you couldn't name for a while, one branch. No, you can name. You got the judicial branch of, of mm-hmm. the government, yeah. right? So, yeah, it but, was the it was the legislative branch that I completely forgot because I thought that I didn't know <laughs> it. Like I just forgot. Like I was definitely taught that, and it's just over ten years you kind of forget things because, well, folks, <laughs> a lot of the stuff you get taught in school it's not applied to everyday life. You know the. So it was the Carolina or Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I always forget which one you went to. Carolina. So they didn't teach you that, huh? They did not. Well, look, I, I learned it at elementary school. I'm not sure I learned it in my communication major that I had at Charlotte. But I did know the three branches of government. I do want to get to some more fat moves on the text line. Adam, man, you're a dirty dog, Adam. Chocolate syrup on my Count Chocula cereal. <laughs> That's 
That's really fat. <laughs> that move, it sounds great, though. That's the thing. If you want to put it on ice cream, I guess it's not any fatter than that. It just is not something that I would think to do, but it sounds delightful. Hunter said this. I grew up in Salisbury. Uh, Salisbury excuse me. Well, I don't know what accent was coming out there. I grew up in Salisbury, so we basically get cheer wine out of the womb. At the first cheer wine festival, every cheer wine was free. I had a minimum of 10. Yeah, cheer wine at the state fair, that hits different. Cheer wine at the state fair is very good. Same thing with Sundrop, the local soda, Bruin. I can't say no to it. Here's here's my take about cheer wine, mm-hmm. and maybe you can agree or disagree. I think cheer wine, over, overall, it's the best soda. I, I like it better than Coke. I like it better than Mountain Dew. I like it better than Pepsi. But it's not a soda that I want to drink regularly. Mm-hmm. And, and, Same? No. Yeah, like, Perfect. but it's still my favorite. Like, whenever I have a good glass of cheer wine, that thing hits. Oh, yeah, man. But it's I'm not so going good. home every day to drink it. It's oh. going to be like once every two months. The glass bottle. Oh. <laughs> There's a couple of sounds you make about food that question what you're really thinking about. The first time I ever, I can remember having a glass bottled soda. There's a little convenience store in Buford, South Carolina, about 15 minutes from where I grew up. Oh, you know it's good if this is if that's what you lead off with. Yeah, right across from the middle school, and I'm actually related to the guy that owns it. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. But we stopped in whenever we were going to look at the house we moved into, and they had the old-fashioned. They had Mountain Dew in a glass bottle and Coke in a glass bottle. And you, you, you get told all your life, it tastes different. How, how, how different can it really taste? It's so much better in the glass bottle. I don't know what changes. Is that true for every soda? I think it's true for every soda. It's got to, yeah. I would I mean, I would imagine so. Uh, what about a peach knee high? It's something I won't drink anything else other than I'm a not glass drinking anything bottle. that's got peach in it. Yeah, you know, I'm telling you, out of the glass bottle, a peach knee high, it hits a little bit different. I did want to update you on a breaking story just a couple of hours ago. So not breaking anymore. But when we talked to you about... Four players being suspended yesterday. We just didn't know what players were going to be suspended from the NFL. We found out some other names here. Isaiah Rogers, which we already knew, but also Rashad Berry of the Indianapolis Colts. Free agent Demetrius Taylor. They were suspended indefinitely through at least the 2023 season for betting on NFL games last year. In addition, the fourth player is Tennessee Titans offensive tackle, uh, tackle Nicholas Petit Fourier. I hope that's how you pronounce it. He was suspended six games. For betting on other sports at the workplace, the four suspensions were announced Thursday by the NFL. And so Isaiah Rogers is the guy that we already knew this was going to happen to. And we keep continuing to discuss this. I I wonder if this was the NFL researching, going back, investigating what players took part in this and then dishing this out or because you're talking about betting on NFL games. So it kind of has to be right. I just hope that we don't get this at all in the upcoming season, it's out there enough players in the NFL. You got to know there's two things that you just cannot do. You cannot bet on the NFL in any capacity, whether it is at a team facility or elsewhere. And if you're going to bet at the team facility, well, no, you can't do that. But if you're going to bet um, on any sport, make sure you do it away from the team facility. It's very cut and dry. Don't use a team facility to bet on any sport and don't bet on the NFL at any location. You have to understand that by now, because now we already have Calvin Ridley. He's gone for a year. Now he's coming back after missing an entire season, being the first example of this. And okay, maybe you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Fine. 
that it wasn't out there enough, but he's gone. Okay, he's gone for a year. Now he's coming back with Jacksonville. We'll see how it works out. But, man, you just can't do this anymore, and I hope that we don't see any of these players be suspended for this, although you have to imagine it's going to. There are going to be players that feel like they can make some money on this, and they're going to try to go a roundabout way with the rules that are in place. But at this point, you're getting everything that you could be asking for. If you decide that these are the suspensions, if these are the suspensions that are going to some of these players that get caught, then there's no other excuse for you to do it. So it'll be interesting to see just how many guys will get suspended. Do you have takes on this, Fitty? I mean, I think it's just one of those things where, like, the like the NFL's made it pretty clear-cut and dry. So, you know, if you do it, I'm not going to really feel sorry for you if you get suspended. If there were, like, loopholes and stuff that existed for you to do this type of stuff and, and then they were still getting suspended, I'd maybe have some some sort of remorse for you to something like that. But the, this is one thing the NFL has gotten right from the very beginning. Is you know from the, the from the word go they said look we're, this is what you can do this is what you can't do if you do what you're not allowed to do mm-hmm. you're gonna get you're gonna get suspended so and, and a lot six games is the minor punishment here yeah it's a lot of games that you're missing especially you know you talk about like you know all these guys have these you know roster these these incentives for like yards catches touchdowns whatever and you're losing six games. You know, you could still maybe get a thousand yards, but you got to have what a ninety-yard average, right? When you come back and stuff like that, so like it, it, it's going to hurt their, it's going to hurt their pockets for these guys that have, you know, incentives in their contracts. I do want to get to some other text messages. This conversation, though, reminds me of the CBA being released just yesterday. So it's official now. The NBA has a new collective bargaining agreement. It's going to last through the 2029-2030 NBA season. And when we're discussing the amount of games that guys have to play, you do have a limit of 65 games that a player has to participate in in the NBA if you want to make an all-NBA squad or if you want to be eligible for some of these awards that you get, whether it be Rookie of the Year, MVP, All-NBA nod, all well, not All-Star because that's going to be happening at the midpoint of the season. But you get the idea. Do you like this idea, Fitty, to try to cut down on load management if you're a star and you want to make extra money in contract years, making an All-NBA team, but now you can't because you missed a, you know, more than 20 games, essentially. Is this something you like instituted by the NBA? Yes, because as a, you know, we, we cover a small market team. Like we, we know that the arena is going to be filled when LA, Boston, Phoenix, Milwaukee, when those, when, when, when those teams are in town, but like for teams like LA and Phoenix or golden state, a lot of times when they're coming through here, it's either, it's kind of, it's usually on the back end of a road trip, which is when you will usually see a guy get, get sat out of game and stuff like that. So yes, because first off, it's not, it's not fair to the game that you just willingly sit out. Like it's, it's very just disrespectful to the players that help build the NBA to what it is today by playing 82 games when they had worse travel conditions and all that type of stuff. But also it hurts the fans because imagine spending the money you got to spend to go to a game and you don't get, you don't get to see LeBron or Kevin Durant or Jason Tatum or whoever these guys are. And then these teams are doing it to protect their playoff chances and stuff like that. But I, I I always feel bad when that stuff happens. And not many times can you be like San Antonio where you can sit out your big four and still win. <laughs> like that's the other thing. Right. Like Pop would say, hey, Tim, Tony, Manu, y'all aren't going to play tonight, but we're still going to win because I'm a wizard as a coach. So 
one of the better things I think Adam Silver's done since he became the commissioner of the NBA. Yeah, just just for those that need clarity on this, players must be on the floor for 20 minutes in at least 65 games to be eligible for honors, including NBA MVP and all NBA teams. I do want to put this into perspective a little bit. So if we just go to the top scorers on a per-game basis in the NBA last year, Joel Embiid, who won Most Valuable Player of the Year, he was two games away from not being eligible to win that award. He appeared in 66 games last season. Luka Doncic, 66 games. Damian Lillard would have been eligible, 58. And now most voters held that, held that against him anyway. So Damian Lillard was not an All-NBA member, but he had an incredible season. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 68. Giannis, not eligible, 63. It's almost like... They should shorten shorten this season to 66 games. I just wonder how much they would still rest or if they would actually go full throttle for the entire season. I mean, are, are you are you risking losing money because you're just getting rid of more games, which means it's very easy to think, right? Less eyeballs, less games, less money, less fans paying for seats in the arena, whatever. You get the idea. In order to have the star players play the entire time, but then they just decide to adapt to that like, all right, well, now we're just going to play 40 and we'll be extra fresh, if that's even the thing. I think that'd be way too big of a risk to feel that out if you did want to start to dwindle down the season. I'm with you as far as a consumer. It would make the games mean more, and I think there's value to that. But you probably wouldn't want to risk with the players missing some games and you dwindling down the season to, like, 72 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, if you shorten the game to 60, the shorten the season to 66 games and you still got dudes that's actively resting, I think it confirms what a lot of the old heads say about today's player, that they don't love the game, they don't, they don't value competition and all that type of stuff. Because I go on the flip side, if you play less games, wouldn't we be... Wouldn't, the, wouldn't there be a higher sense of urgency for fans to be in the building? Because now you go from, what, 41 home games down to 33. So that's eight less chances to, to get to see your team play, to, uh, less chances to get to see the stars come through town and stuff like that. You could probably actually demand more money from your media rights because it's you know there's going to be a more command and stuff like that. Less product but more command. So I've, I've long believed that the best thing for the league is to – to reshape its whole entire calendar. Cut it to 66 games. The season starts on Christmas Day. And the finals run up till the start, if not even during, the NFL training camp calendar. Yeah, 704 brings up an interesting point. I love the 65-game rule, but it will make a joke out of the awards. And I should say, I, I was wrong. Damian Lillard did make third-team All-NBA this past season. And so he was eligible and ended up on the list. But if you just go to third-team All-NBA, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, and DeMontis Sabonis, just looking at some of the guys that have scored the most amount of points, there are players that would have not been on that list. And that would have taken an accolade away from them. LeBron James played 55, Steph Curry, 56, Kevin Durant, 47, injury there. So that wasn't necessarily load management. Giannis, 63, Damian Lillard, 58. There's so many stars you're talking about that did not reach the 65 game threshold. And so that is something too. Maybe it's an unattended or maybe it's a thought you didn't quite have at first. Are we okay with say somebody like, I don't know, Chris Dapps Porzingis getting third team all NBA because of a stipulation that might happen. Now the hope is that it doesn't and guys fix the load management act. But if it leads to a Porzingis who had a good year, but I don't even think was an all-star this year. 
can he make top 15 and really just, you know, be in reality like the 25th or 30th best season in the league? I wonder if people are going to have a problem with that. Man, if that means that I have to hear that Julius Randle is a two-time All-NBA player because I don't think he's a winning piece, then I mean, I, I wouldn't complain. Well, watch P.J. Washington get there. Oh, now, if that happens, we're able to stop me from talking, baby. <laughs> Go, P.J. Pay that man 25 mil, 30. You can't pay him enough. Pay him the max. It's Wesson Walker, Josh Fitty Marlowe helping us out with Wes being on vacation. Let's go to the last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a little Fitty. All right, Walker, not a whole lot going on in the world of sports, so I'll just update you on the MLB afternoon scoreboard. The Padres lead the Pirates 4-1 to in the bottom of the fifth. The Tigers lead the mini-slumping Texas Rangers right now 2-1 to in the top of the second. Going into the third, it's 0-0 between the Guardians and the Royals, and later today you'll see the Yankees back in action after they threw the perfect game last night, 337 start against Oakland. And the Rays and the Diamondbacks, two division leaders, they'll tangle at 340 over on ESPN+. Plus. I think I heard you tell me you're rushing home to watch that game in full today. Oh, in full. I mean, you heard me right on the dot. That was exactly <laughs> what I said. Hell, we're going to give you a full breakdown before we end today and you transition to the Kyle Bailey Show. We have one more segment to go with Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. One more segment to go on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fitty filling in for Wes, who's on a cruise right now. Have you ever been on a cruise, Fitty? Um, no, I haven't, and I will never be on a cruise. Why is that? Um, Are you afraid to... Be all deeply terrified of the ocean. It's probably a good idea these days with orcas out here wrecking boats and stuff yeah um and you know <laughs> would you rather fly or you're about to fly aren't you you're about to have your first plane experience yes and you're it seems like you're terrified um i was actually telling kyle this last night that like i think about the flight pretty often <laughs> <laughs> oh no and, and i get i get visibly sick thinking about it so where are you flying dallas yes okay and when are you flying there 
I really hope little bro ain't listening because he doesn't know about it. But I'm going there for Thanksgiving. Oh, it's okay. No, you don't have to. I mean, you could have said that without just dropping. Yeah, I just we've talked about this on air before, so I thought it was all right. Yeah, no. I'm not trying to come out here and ruin any surprises for anyone. Yeah, hopefully Sorry, he's not listening. Bro. As long as he's not listening, we're good. All right. Sorry, little bro, if I just ruined that <laughs> surprise. I didn't know you were doing this. Here's what I want to open up to the text line. What is the best piece of advice that you can give to Fitty for his first ever plane ride? What's the first, uh, the, the best piece of advice I can give you? I've flown quite a bit. I'm trying to think of what the best one is. If anybody tries to lean back in your chair, okay? If anybody tries to lean back in your personal space, one, they're horrible human beings. Two, you take your knees and then you grind into their back until it's uncomfortable enough for them to actually bring their chair back up. It's the most hated thing for me on a plane ride. And that's what's going to happen, too. People will do that to me constantly. Now I'm taller, and it's a lot more frustrating. But it's just a complete disregard for personal space. 336, that's dirty. Hold on tight. <laughs> yeah. I, first off, you know, I, I, I thought you were you were a good a good person. Undoubtedly, you're a degenerate like the rest of us. Oh, no. I, um... <laughs> what's up, Fiddy? I feel like I, I'm comfortable saying this because I I've talked about my my bathing routine on the show before. Mm -hmm. I, I I told my dad that like you're you're probably gonna have to hold by then I'll be 27 your 27 year old son's hand. Oh yeah. Because there is going to be a fear that I I I flew as a baby, so like I've been in the air before, but I was three six months old, so I have no recollection of it. Recollection of it. I missed. I missed up that word. Well, it's recollection. Yeah. So you know, but yes, I am. Um, I, I'm. I'm. I'm already terrified. No, I can actually. We've now gone to a point where at first we were kidding. It's kind of like a shtick, but you are a little bit scared. I can hear the fear in your voice now a little bit more. So yeah, it seems um, like you were really struggling to get through that sentence. We've got a lot of advice coming in on the text line. I don't know what you have found helpful. Most people are just writing in alcohol. Casey Steve wrote in alcohol, all caps. Some people are saying that it's sad that this is your first plane ride or your flight, which is fine. Like, that's okay. But, like, it's purposely because, like, I, I do not travel. Like, I, I would rather drive the, the distance than get in the air. This one, because of when we're going and trying to get back and all that type of stuff, it's physically impossible. Mm -hmm. I don't take the whole week off. The best thing is that because our flight's like at 1230 that afternoon, I think I'm going to work the morning show, and I might just pull an all-nighter. That way, when I get on the plane, I'm just done. Yeah, the, people are writing in also, Fluke Juki said, just go to sleep. But if there's too much anxiety, then you might not be able to go to sleep. Yeah, so I mean, like, I I might be medicated. Yeah. It might just take that. I, might, either that or alcohol, as some people are writing. Uh, 704 said fly first class. Yeah, just spend a whole bunch more money. <laughs> Boy, I work part-time in radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some people saying maybe you need to take a strong toke of something before you get on the plane. No strong takes here, just strong tokes. Bradley Blank saying, Fitty, relax, it's not that bad. I was terrified and scared of heights, but I promise you'll enjoy it. I'm going to guess that it doesn't feel the way you expect it to feel. I'm going to, the the takeoff and the landing, you've got some shaking a little bit, but it's fine. It's okay. And then when you're in the air, I just hope you avoid turbulence your first time. Because turbulence can be a little scary if you wouldn't know about it. And I'm guessing you don't. And that can be a little dicey. But if you don't have turbulence and it's real smooth, you'll you'll feel a lot better than you expected.
but yeah, people are riding in. Hopefully you don't have turbulence in your ride. Like that's the one thing that will make this, uh, that's the real wild card in all of this. Yeah. And then uh, I think Flounder was telling me this last night, there was a plane that was landing at Charlotte Douglas yesterday Mm -hmm. and undoubtedly whatever lands, whatever you're coming in, it didn't, it didn't land or didn't like eject properly. So it just came in and never slowed down and basically like crashed into the runway. Oh, there was a video of this. This was some random plane that was circulating on social media or this something. This was like? yesterday. He was telling me at Charlotte Douglas. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I'm just like, way to go, bro. Now, now, now I'm driving to Texas because there ain't no way. <laughs> heck, heck no, um, man. Yeah, that would be pretty brutal. Uh, Andy said, here's his flight advice. Just took my kids on their flight, on their first one. Here's what I told them. Planes don't just fall out of the sky. The air is not smooth. Think of it as a road. There are bumps, and it's totally normal. Keep your mind busy with something. The takeoff is awesome. I, are you going to be next to the window, or do you have an aisle seat? Do you know where you're sitting? I think I, I think I have an aisle seat. I'm a I, so aisle seat. You'll get a little more leg room when you want to stretch out. That's fine. I'm a huge window seat guy. If I aisles first, but first timer, I think it'll help you to look out the window. Kyle, if you want to hop on and help him out with some of this, uh, <laughs> I'm just having. <laughs> Dude, dude, that was evil. Dude, dude, anytime an Kyle can, can bully me, mm-hmm. I mean... Oh, the, the, oh, see, this is where you play the victim. You're really good at this. You, <laughs> you start stuff, you run victim your mouth, you talk fitting. trash. Yeah. He starts everything. It's, oh, anytime Kyle can bully me. I'm bullying you. Here's the thing. I also don't... I've probably flown in my life. I was trying to count it up roughly the other day. Like, total times I've been on a plane, it took off, it landed... I'd say maybe 200 times. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I mean, I've flown quite a bit, I guess. Uh, maybe not compared to some people, but quite a bit. Um, I hate it because of the hassle of getting in, in and out of airports. The actual flying part doesn't bother me. I can like like Walker said, and the guy said, keep your head. You can keep your head busy. Just download a couple episodes of a show. It'll be over before you know it. For me, I, I just can't stay. Like what bothers me in the airport is standing in line, dealing with people breathing on the back of my neck, people taking <laughs> the shoes off on the airplane, how long it takes to get on and off. God forbid I end up taxing for, for 15, 20 minutes or something like that. I it's the most. Def- it. I, I, I can't. I almost lose it. So we flew up to Indianapolis to go see my family in the winter cyclone. Remember when that that was around yeah. December? Yeah. And we got there. It was right as the time at the time as the storm was coming in, but we landed. And it was a real nice test of how much I can take in my life mm-hmm. because we were right there next to the gate. We were right there and we weren't allowed off the plane it's for two horrific. hours. Her, her, oh, yeah, that happened to me one time. And uh, it was at that moment I thought for I honestly thought for a minute I would never fly again. It's the worst experience being trapped window seat two hours seeing your exit. Yes. That's that's the psychological torture. It's not that we're taxiing. You're held captive. You're held captive. Nobody will let you off. I would rather deal with the sub below wind chills than to sit there for another second. And thank God, because I was at my breaking point. Well, no, it's the thing. And it's just the people that, that lack all common courtesy and common sense. These are the things like when you get up there, you're going to be fine. Like the initial takeoff is cool. Like you right. said, it'll be a little bumpy to get to, you know, the, your flying altitude, but then you'll be fine. Just turn on a, a game, turn on a, a movie. But it's the people that as soon as the fl- the plane lands, they rush to the front of the airplane. Like sit your oh, ass my down God. It's and the have worst. some decorum about yourself. You just, know, just be courteous to people, but they can't do it. They can't. The people that that spread out on the people walkers in the airport, you know, what I'm talking about. It's the worst. The people walkers are there for old people and for folks that are in a hurry to get somewhere. And you got these people with a smoothie in one hand, dragging three bags behind and blocking the entire thing. People are the rudest, most discourteous versions of themselves at airports. Um, it's zone one 
fella. It's not zone four, okay? Wait for right. your zone to be called, and you'll Keep be fine. Keep your shoes on. Uh, final one. I saw that piece of advice. The last one I'll leave you with here. Fluke Juki said, the wings moving is totally totally normal. Now, I wish I wouldn't have brought that to your attention, and then you may freak out when you look out the window and see the wind or the wing moving. That would have been funny. Oh, no. Oh. Not that you're going to have this problem in the, in the dead of summer. But one of my favorite, used to be one of my favorite things to do was to wear my overalls to the airport, especially when I'm flying up north to see my my wife's family during the during Christmas, right? Because it's cold as hell when I get off the plane up there. The problem is, you know, you, you got metal all over, um, you know, like the metal hooks and stuff like on, on overalls. Um, I got straight up groped by a TSA agent when they had to pat me down. Like they like slid inside the overalls, made me wildly uncomfortable. I will never do that again. Fiddy's going to go to the airport right now. All right, that'll do it for Weston Walker. It's Kyle Bailey coming on next. More three hours with Fiddy. Yeah, stay tuned. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.